show from a heavy metal perspective. From Danzig to death, to Dark Throne to Dr. Shrinker. Buckle up, things are about to get heavy. This is the Metal Podcast. Let's rock and roll. And welcome to another episode of the Metal Podcast. I am DJ, and I'm joined with, as always, AC. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Did you introduce yourself as BJ? No, no, no. Okay, because that's what I heard. Oh, thank you. But appreciate you clearing that. uh, DJ, as in in, uh, D and then J, that clears it up. But um, we have an exciting guest today, another action-packed episode. We have Mr... um, Eric Horton of Seven Train, thank you for joining us. How are you today, sir? Good. How are you guys? Oh, fantastic, man! And I want to first ask, like, what have you been up to? Um, you know, what's are you are you ready for for the uh, turn of the year for twenty twenty four? I think so. I mean, it's it's uh, we're finishing up another EP. We're getting some lyric videos done as far as Seven Train goes. Um, we're starting to book shows in the spring here in San Diego. You know, out here, you know, booking shows is uh, hard because it's not as uh, close of a commute. Let's say if you're in the upper northeast of the United States. So, you know, the nearest town is a minimum with L.A. traffic, probably three, four hours away. Right. You know, unless you go at night. It's literally if you go at night, it's an hour and 45 minutes. But with traffic, it's insane. So it's it's going to be, re- you know, we're starting to book some regional shows, uh, Southwest, Phoenix, you know, to Vegas, kind of that, that part. And, and then, uh, um, we're going to start writing again in, in 2024. And then, uh, cause I've got a lot of ideas. There's a lot of creative guys in the band. So we're going to get back to that. Um, so that's far as seven train goes. That's, that's, that's what I've been up to. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. One of my, uh, first concerts I ever went to was actually in San Diego, uh, at the jumping turtle. I don't know if you've. Oh God, it's San Marcos. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw Exodus there. It was like one right. of my very first concerts. Uh, I think AC, you were there with me. I was there. Yeah, you were there. Can you actually call that a concert? But well, they they like hung out with us afterwards, and they were like, "Yeah, this is like a warm up show for the tour." And it was yeah, like, it was honestly the coolest show like I'd ever been to. Like we hung out with them for like the whole night. It was it was it was cool. That's was, funny. In uh, a while back when I was in Cage. Um, we played with them up at, uh, the whiskey in LA. Yeah. Good show. They were good. I wasn't, I like Exodus. I don't have a lot of their art at the time. I didn't own a lot of their material, but, um, man, that it was a really good crowd. It was a fun show. Yeah. What, uh, what are some of your, well, well, hold on. I want to go, I want to go back to that. What year was that? (laughs) Oh God. Uh, so see my life starts getting unfuzzy around my early thirties. So, uh, I want to say 98, maybe. Oh, okay. Okay. So that was with, uh, Paul Bailoff. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. That's notable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it was good. Um, yeah, it was a good time. I had to fly in from Seattle. I was doing something up there. And, and so I, you know, it was one of those Seattle to LAX to car ride to, <clears throat> to the whiskey and hope to God that, uh, the band brought my gear. <laughs> oh gosh. Wow. <laughs> We had some reliable guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good group of guys. Yeah. I right, yeah. go back to your question, DJ. I think I already forgot my question. Do you remember what I was saying? 
Yes, I remember what you were saying. Yeah, you oh, were you were yeah. gonna say, Eric, what have you been listening to lately? Oh, oh, I was gonna say what's his. Uh, well, sure, I was gonna say it more what his influences. What are your influences? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's <clears throat> influence uh, guitar wise. There's difference influence music or guitar and guitar wise. It was. Uh, uh, you know, when I was started playing, it was the Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes were the the, the kind of the forefront guys in guitar world. Um, and I, I mean, I love them both. Uh, and the older I get, the more I appreciate Eddie Van Halen than I did back then. But I was more of a Jakey e. Lee, Lynch, John Sykes, Gary Moore guy. You know, Jakey e. Lee, uh, underrated guitar player. You think, I don't think he's underrated. Well, he, he he's well he's overlooked. Like he's he's not underrated for people who know him, but he's yeah. one of those people. He's all because he was the guy that came after Randy Rhodes, so he was unfortunately in Randy Rhodes' shadow. And I think had Randy Rhodes not passed and just left the band, the reaction would have been different because he was the guy between Randy Rhodes and Zach Wild, who are both excellent guitar players and. He he's not like worse than either of them. It just you know this is like a case of different. So I I think being that in that sandwich has just kind of been unfortunate for him because everyone I, knows I, that he's great. Yeah, I, I think, and I don't I don't know shit because I'm not anywhere near this. But it just over the years reading interviews between like Sharon Osbourne and Ozzy and Jakey Lee and kind of how guys like Zach and Joe Holmes won't like really approach the topic, but I, I think it actually playing with red dragon cartel um, and being around him a little bit, you know, he was, I could see where he could kind of be uh difficult, let's say. Right. And I was, was, and he was nice. He's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. So I have much respect for him, but his behavior at playing a 300 seater after not being in a band, or out there in the public, really, until Red Dragon Cartel came out. I was, I was a little like, hmm, you know, if this guy's like this here, I wonder what he was like when there was 15,000 people and everyone up his ass, you know, telling him how great he was. And I think you have to have that type of ego to be able to do that, like play quarterback or something, you know. And um, so, uh, but he was he was personable and, and nice enough and stuff like that. But there was certain comments and attitudes and like, okay, well, you know what, dude? It's been decades since you've done shit, you know, and uh, <laughs> a little off-putting, I would say at best. But uh, Jakey Lee, I, I think if everyone actually, I've, I've read you know articles with some guys, popular guitar players, where like he was probably the better player, you know. If you remove Joe Holmes out of it, that guy's just a monster. And I love, I'm a huge Zach fan. I mean, I, I love it, and I really appreciated Randy Rhodes. Um, but I mean, I, I think you're right. I think you're right that if you're in the know, you know how good that guy really is. Cause he's fucking phenomenal. Right. Yeah. I, I think most like Zach, Zach wild is a huge star and it just like being associated with Ozzy Osbourne while the Osbournes were on TV and it was mm-hmm. an immensely popular show. So he's pretty much a household name. And Randy Rhodes, uh, unfortunately, died young, so you get more notoriety from that. And, and Jakey e. Lee was was the one in between. So I, I I don't hear his name come up that often. It's just like if if you are 
someone like you like the guitar virtuosos like you like like i like ingy malmstein like i like steve vi yeah you know jakey lee but Mm -hmm. how many people listen to just guitar virtuosos like i like guitar i can't listen to joe satriani i mean i I, he's an uh, amazing guitar player but it's just it's just not for me let alone just your average music fan that likes acdc and led zeppelin those are well that's what i was saying so he brought up the question who are your influences and i'm like well there's guitar influences and there's musical influences right. i mean the whole reason i even picked up the guitar was i wanted to be pete townsend you know i was young you know eight nine ten years old and for some reason the who just extremely resonated with me that the tension and the and roger daltrey's voice was just huge you know how he delivered to me and a lot of people will completely disagree with this, but Black Sabbath has <clears throat> always crowned the heavy metal godfathers and stuff. And they were heavy and it was doomy and it was very dissonant and stuff like that. But no one had the energy and the power of like anything off Who's Next, which came around around the same time. They were He was the original pedi- pedal tone on guitar that Judas and all these guys live on. You know, like when you think of... Uh, um, you know, Tommy, that album Tommy, and there's a couple songs where he's got the peltones and he's and he's just doing dissonant chords on the on the D in the key of D. That's metal. You can fucking take that. Oops, there's that that's a bomb. But that's metal. Now say I love Tony. He's the only one is one of the few guys I was with him close proximity to where I kind of got a little like starstruck, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap, that there's the guy who wrote Children of the Sea, you know, and um but to me uh Pete Townsend was was the guy that brought that 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 big body energy and and power to rock music. Everything else was a blues derivative, right? Um and so that's what really inspired me to even that's what actually that's what inspired me to pick up the guitar. And then I got into, you know, of course you heard Eruption and and you know and Women and Children first came out and then Dive of Madman and then all this stuff. Then the guitar goober thing started to happen. But really I gravitate more towards songwriters uh than uh you know guitar players. I'm like you like I love Steve I. I could probably listen to about 15 minutes of it. I don't give a shit, you know. But if I'll go see ACDC or I'll go see Judas or I'll go see the Colt or I'll go see you know, uh, any, any other band that's got great songs and it's, I appreciate that a lot more. I mean, it's guitar playing is, is, uh, is a lot of people make it a science. Um, you know, and I know Ingbe gets a lot of crap for that, but I don't think there's a better player commercially in the world. And I've seen him play Roadhouse and I've seen him do all this stuff. And I, I'm telling you right now, I saw an interview with Steve Vai in the G3 tour, and he said watching Yngwie was like a guitar lesson every night. And Steve Vai is no slouch, right? <clears throat> so, so you know, it's um, especially these days in guitar where everything is so available on YouTube and stuff like that. It's, it's, been, it's been all these guys sound the same. They play the same. There's no real style difference I'm seeing, which I think is is a problem. What you brought up earlier talking about the popular music being hip-hop, you know, it's what's commercially being pushed with dollars behind it, but it uh I don't see any rock band that has done anything new. And I don't know if there's anything that can be done new. I mean, you know, so you get these 20 somethings out there doing rehashes of Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. It's like, okay, that's cool. I appreciate it. And they're really good at it, right? But you know, 
there's something about something new that comes out and uh, that really motivates people. And, and I think, uh, you know, it takes a, a, a style or a genre and puts it at the forefront, you know, and uh, I haven't seen anything like it. You know, every metal band out there is not going to top the power and the angst and the ferociousness of Pantera. It's not going to happen. Well, it's I not think- their trying. You're good. Right. Yeah. You got the big, tough monster voice. Who gives a crap? Right. <laughs> and, you know, every guitar player is phenomenal. I have to hand it to him. But you know what? So what? You know, uh, show, show me something. Show me, make me feel like I felt the first time I heard Hallowed Be Thy Name. Make me feel like the first time I heard Painkiller or Bloodstone. Make me feel the same way I felt when I heard, you know, Mr. Crowley or uh anything off any pantera album you know five minutes alone or domination make me feel that i haven't felt that from many new bands i like what uh alter bridge does you know i think that's the one band that actually kind of took their old influences and kind of put it into uh, a contemporary modern era of music well i think metal did peak with thrash metal and stuff came after it that was different mm-hmm. and was popular in its own right like honestly like after thrash metal yeah there's death metal and black metal which are both immensely popular in, the, in their own ways but yeah. there, there's not it's not too much evolution like black metal is different like the the way like using like more abstract chords to play the songs and, and death metal is more single notes and let's Let's just keep the speed up. And uh, there was an old interview with, you know, Lee Dorian. Who? Lee Dorian. I don't he, know who that is. He was, the, he was on the second Napalm Death record. He was the singer. Okay. And, he, and he's the singer for the band Cathedral, which is like, you oh. couldn't get more polar opposite of Napalm Death. And, some, <laughs> a, a, and he is a good singer. He has a good voice. And the way he sounds on From Enslavement to Obliteration, he sounds ridiculous. But someone asked him, why do you sing like that? And he said, well, when the music sounds like this, like there's no other way to sing. I'm like, you know what? That, that's a, a good point. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- there's, there's not much more, there's not many more directions you can take it. Because the, the P- Pantera was, was kind of a, a unique thing at the time because they were kind of like that middle ground between that the nineties groove metal and the eighties thrash metal and every band, they, they tried to almost be like the black album plus like vulgar display of power. That was, that was like the, the sweet spot. Cause that, that was what was commercial at the time because thrash metal, it just, it was just dead. It was dead in the Mm nineties. Very few bands continued that trend. Like you have bands like, Megadeth, Metallica, uh, Anthrax, even Slayer. Like, let's slow it. Like Slayer said, let's slow it down. Like that's mm-hmm. boy. Like dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. And then you have Testament saying, "Well, screw that. We were never that commercially successful. Let's go the opposite direction." And then they just went straight up death metal. But yeah. thrash metal was just dead in the '90s. But mm-hmm. it 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 is timeless because. For all the trends that came after it, none of them stuck, but you still have people popping up 
doing thrash bands that sound like bands from the eighties. And, and I think you're right. There's never going to be that, that reinvention of the wheel of like, oh my gosh, this is how I felt like, cause it's funny. You bring up how would be thy name. That was the first Iron Maiden song that I heard. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the best band I've ever heard. And that was, I was 12 years old when I heard that. Man, right. Maybe I was like 11 or I was yeah. young. Right. But, but you're, you're not going to get that feeling again. And part of that, I think comes with just when you get older, you do get a little more jaded. And when you get more life experience, like you understand, <laughs> yeah, there's not as much variety because like, uh, imagine the best food you've ever had mm-hmm. the first time you've had it. Like it's only downhill from there. And I, I think that goes with, with most art as well. And uh, I put metal in that. Like, yeah. You're, you're not going to really get the the wide-eyed experience that you had as a kid but i think the future is the past and you don't need to rehash it but Mm. that stuff is it's still timeless like we had lord armin from dark funeral on last week and he said oh yeah i'm listening Mm. to like testament and motorhead like that's what Mm. i've been listening to these days and Mm. that's what i go to like Cause there was that period in my life when I was like, I need to find new, new metal bands. Like, you know, these guys are getting older. I want to find some new stuff and everything new I found was terrible. (laughs) It was terrible. Now it's a little different. Like people are starting to get a little more creative. Like you have bands that do sound like eighties Megadeth or eighties coroner or whatever. And and it sounds, it sounds nice because you're hearing it with a modern production and it sounds it's, 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 it sounds like it should have. Right. I, 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 I totally agree with you on that. It's, 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 it's funny. It's almost like you wish some of these bands would go back and not only remix and master, but retrack, you know, at least the drums for the love of God, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I just think today we're getting the sounds that we've always had in our head, even back then, you know, and, uh, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down, but it's, uh, I do, I, I'm like you, I, when I hear a band, um, influenced by the same bands that influenced me and they come out, I, there's an appreciation of that and a little, I think it's a little acknowledgement and confirmation that, yeah, it was that good back then because this kid who is, you know, 19 or 20 had to dive back into musical catalogs to find something he liked that was, that was influenced. So it, it, it confirms what we were talking about. I was like, you know, show me, show, show me something who you are. But, but then again, it goes back to what I'm saying is, is, is who are you? What, what, where do you bring into the table? You know, and I, not like I'm some songwriting savant, you know, but it, it's, it's, you have to be in, this is old hat. You hear this, been hearing this for decades. It's when you write a song, you have to be honest with what you like, right? And so you're always going to have your influences. But what I'm hearing is they're influenced is one thing, but then a lot of these bands go to the next stage where I can almost predict what the next part's going to be because I could hear who they're deriving this from and almost the phrasing and the, the movement and whatever they're going to do because they're it's right to the point of almost stealing there was a new band came out and i forget the name of them but the guy i'm like oh man he has spent too much time listening to rob halford okay that is cool he's gone back and, and he's influenced by 
one of the greatest rock vocalists in history. But come on, man, you cannot do that half that half semitone descent and do this. It's like you're just pulling from his playbook, you know, create your own identity as an artist. And I think that's what we're kind of getting at is that. And the the thrash thing to me was the last like really honest subgenre of the hard rock metal stuff that that was honest. I mean, those Exodus and, and Testament and all those Bay Area bands. I mean, that was, that was like, that was what that was. I mean, that was like what the grunge scene was in Seattle. It was, that's why it propelled, even though grunge was uber Sabbath influenced. And anyone that says that Soundgarden and Allison Chains weren't Sabbath influences, high, right? But you're, and since then, that's what I'm saying. Since then, so, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'd like to see someone come out new that, not on guitar, but songwriting had something fresh to say. I mean, even country music is, is it's becoming so cliche. It's like every song is a commercial for something. It's, it's ridiculous, right? Even my daughter who loves hip hop and rap, she's going back to listening to NWA and public enemy and all those. Cause the, the, the stuff that's out now it's like it, she can't under a can't understand what they're saying. Right? <laughs> that's every rap. Song so this now. is not even the old get off my lawn, man. You know, no, saying no, it's this, not. Right? It's not. No. They'll try to frame it that way. No, but every rap song, seriously, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, they call yeah. it mumble rap. <laughs> Like that's well, the actual screamo, genre, right? We got screamo rock. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, yeah, yeah. It, I, I guess could, I guess you could call that honest because it is. They are mumbling. They yeah. are rapping. Yeah. It's you know it's it's yeah it's like to get the most out. Uh, look, I coach, so I'm around young kids all the time. I coach high school football at the varsity level, right? So <laughs> every year I'm like at the meetings, I'm looking around and and I'm like Metallica shirt. Maiden shirt, ACDC shirt. And some of this is influenced from their, their dad or something like that, but it, it, it won't die. It won't go away. You know, it's their, those bands are still saying their statement. I'm not seeing 30 seconds to Mars shirts or Limp Biscuit shirts or whatever. What you, you know, shirts? it's Metallica. Metallica is, is just a juggernaut of an institution. Yeah. You know, all these bands. And, and it's like, I don't know why the music industry hasn't realized that, you know, I guess they maybe know. The, they know. Yeah. But I, I maybe mean, they know they just don't care. Well, yeah. Cause I think bands like seven train, it would cost too, too much money. We we have to go into an actual studio or, you know, we're actually going to track real instruments and, and uh, they would have to market it. And it's not just one guy that they could slap a pretty face on and then have you know all this catalog of songs and that they're going to make them perform and then go out and, and if it doesn't work they just throw them out and they get the next one which i think that's what's happened to modern rock and metal what modern i don't rock? think a, i don't think a lot of these bands and this is me guessing because they all sound kind of the same uh i don't think a lot of these bands are writing a lot of their own stuff and i think the 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 uh practice of bringing in ringer musicians to play on their albums is happening a lot again because i've seen some of these bands i'm like uh yeah you're not that 
you know, and that's why you're sharing a lot of tracks and stuff live is because they get all their black fingernail polish, right? And their makeup on and their cute boy haircuts and they got their skinny jeans on and it's, it's ass. It sounds like shit, you know? And, and, and that's it. That, you know, honestly, you, you brought up the whole, like, I was, uh, I went right before I left cage, you know, we went over and we played in Europe and stuff like that. And I was watching that European stuff come in with the white and black makeup and the black, you know, guys walk around with swords and, you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? You dumb shit. If you, if you've got to do all that, you know, you're, you're a moron. And, and I'll just say it. We were at the Milwaukee metal festival, right? And emperor was playing and we were standing there and they're like, Oh, American power metal. I'm like, you five, four hundred, nothing pound pile of shit. You know, and I was just like, who do you think you are with your, your wannabe shoulder pads on? And you're like, it's a joke. They're like the partridge family of heavy metal. It's, it's a joke that I can't, I, I don't, I can't get past it. If you've got to put all that angry stuff on and say you're burning churches in Norway or something, you're an asshole. Right. And, 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 and what does that have to do with your music? Right. So now it's all show. It's all show. And I, and I, I never got it and I never appreciated it. Well, I, I, I'd say the showmanship part has always been a part of music that, I mean, that was their gimmick and, and, uh, but not at that it, level. Well, sure. Go, but I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just, play then. well, hold on. I'm just saying it, it's a thing. I'm, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying yeah. that was just, that was their thing. You know, I, I do disapprove of many of their, mm-hmm. uh, out of the studio actions, but that, yeah. that was what gained them notoriety. And a lot of those people, they were just a lot of like awkward, lonely kids and they were exposed to metal and they, they saw, and I, and again, I, I won't retread my, my classic metal is an op thing, but, uh, they, they saw the dark side of it and they interpreted it extremely literally. And I think that was the point. And they just took it to a level that most people didn't want to, because they saw, you know, Motley Crue comes out and, you know, they look like girls, but they have a big pentagram and then they, they understand the contrast. Like these guys aren't evil. They're just trying to get you to look at them. And, and, and it worked. Now the black metal guys, they did the same thing. They just wanted people to look at them, but they also thought like, like I'm, I'm rebelling because I'm evil. I'm evil. Do, <laughs> do you get it? Look at me. I'm evil. And, and then someone's like, prove it. Like, okay. And then they stab a guy and kill him and, they burn a church down and it's like, ah, okay, well, yeah, I guess they put their money yeah. where their mouth is. But, but, uh, I would say the big stage presence, that's always been a thing. Like Van Halen always had their big shows. You know, uh, Bon jo- Jovi had his, his, his silly little harness. He would go, I think David Lee Roth did that too. Yeah. Um, and the skies. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Wasp had, you know, the big fire, you know, they, they, they've, it's always been a thing. These guys just misinterpreted it or or perverted it if you would but there's there there's a there's a the differences is that motley crew and kiss and all these bands wasp big fan um love wasp is they had the songs to back it up which okay so they got noticed 
for throwing meat in the crowd or whatever. <laughs> wasp is probably the worst example of that just because wasp was the most ridiculous and again i love i love the no, wasp is one of my favorite bands but as far as the stuff that they did it was like with the the saw blade cod piece you throw, oh yeah you throw yeah, in, throw in, yeah yeah i'm not saying it's bad uh, I, i'm just saying like compared to the other bands of that era they yeah they but did my, my, the most yeah <laughs> my point is is they had the songs and the substance to back it up right these guys it's it's like a mockery of metal and i'm convinced that if they if the internet was what it was this came out they'd be those chicken shit guys with the keyboards talking smack on the internet because they don't have the balls to take it off right well, they do now so, yeah i don't know i i have had bad experiences some of some of these guys and i'm telling you right now they're that kid in the basement that's angry at the world and they don't know why they get beat on every day at school it's because they're fucking weird right and that's how the world turns that's how the world turns right so you either man up and you go out and you be who you are and you're comfortable. You be that weird guy in your black hoodie at 110 degrees out walking around because the world doesn't understand you. Well, tell, I don't me, get tell me how you really feel. <laughs> you know, I've been told I'm fairly blunt at some times, you know. But, you know, I, I don't know. And, and, you know. I'll say this. That was the first impression I got when Ghost came out. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. That's, oh, DJ, that's DJ's yeah. favorite band. What are yeah, you talking that. about? You tell me how much you love them. <laughs> uh, here yeah. we go. You know, and then I had a buddy, a real good friend of mine. Uh, he did our very first video for Seven Train. He's like, no, you got to listen to him. And I'm, no, believe it or not, after all my verbose diatribe here, I'm a pretty open-minded. And I listened to it and I went, I can see how people like this. I don't like it. DJ but, can't see how people like it. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Right. I but I, I can't. It, it, it's so you remember that song groove is in the heart way back when he lights. Yes, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll never forget the first time I heard it. And I went, Oh no, this is so God awful bad. It's going to be huge. And it was, it was <laughs> well, you, you know what, you know what their follow up hit was, right? I don't know. I knew they had Bootsy Collins in the video. That's that's yeah. Well, well, the joke is they didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you ever see that uh, Angus Young quote? And he said, I'm so tired of people saying we wrote. Oh, yes, I, I know. It. I'll let you go. But yes, it's a good quote. Go ahead. Yes. No, you just ruined it, man. Uh, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't ruin it. But you just God. started off by saying, do you know that Angus Young quote? I'm like, I don't know. He said a lot of things. Yeah, well, the one where he said a lot of people say that we wrote eleven albums that sounded the same, and they're wrong. We wrote twelve. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. didn't. They, they had like a, an unreleased album, right? That came out in like two thousand five or six or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember because that was because uh, I went into Tower Records when that came out, and that was how they advertised the album. Oh, was it, <laughs> That's yeah, there was a, a there was a huge poster. It was it was probably like a thirty by fifty poster, and it it said every, people say that we have eleven albums. That sound the same? That's ridiculous. We have twelve, and then it was like the new album by ACDC or like the unreleased album. Like that was how they advertised. And again, it it's it's good marketing because well, it's fu it's funny. It, it, it's yeah. funny, and you know, but it goes back to that's genuine, right? That's genuine. Like they just stick their music out there. And this is it. And this is it. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. It's like, where are you? Are you a Broadway play? Are you a, are you writing music, right? And so I think oh, some of these bands, 
the music is a platform for them to have performance art, right? I'm a musician. Well, you know, I try to be. And so it's like, don't blow smoke up my ass, you know, to be in this rock band, right? And you're not, you're not, it's just garbage is what you're putting out there. And quite honestly, this is coming from a guy that really likes guar. <laughs> but I love guar. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but guar, guar is, again, that's another bad example because guar's music is second nature to the performance. Because I, I knew people that didn't like guar and then they went to a guar show, then they loved guar. Like guar, yeah. guar is, uh, and I, there's a lot of guar songs that I do really like and I will yeah. put them on, but guar is the best, it's the best show to go to. Like you take people that don't like metal to a guar show. Like they might not like the music so much, but they'll have a good time with what's happening on stage. Like it, it's, it's also really refreshing when you're in a concert hall and it's like 190 degrees because you're packed shoulder to shoulder with, uh, uh, 500 people in a max capacity, 150 space. And then you're just getting sprayed with fake blood and fake urine. And it's like, Oh, I'm getting cooled off oh, as I'm getting right, yeah, it's blood completely and covered in plastic. So they don't ruin the venue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, well, if they're polite. Yeah. Sometimes no, that, they, but you back it up. I mean, I, I said, you know, that song, uh, let us slay by Guar. Uh, is I, that sounds like a, a more recent one. Oh my God. It's just, it's, it's got almost like this sabotage type of feel. And those guys can play. I mean, I saw them like underrated musicians too. Yeah. Really, really good. And that it goes back to what I'm saying. You know, if they came out in their in their, you know, Sesame Street outfits and stuff and, and they were shitty, I mean they'd be like, yeah, oh, but they deliver. They're really good. They're really good. I you know? I I think their first show they opened for Danzig. Cause oh, I, really? I have this old Danzig bootleg and it, it's from, uh, you know, the eighties. And it, I don't know if it was before the first Danzig record came out or if it was just when right after it came out and they're supporting it, but it, it's a, a live bootleg. And then you can hear people in the audience like bring back war. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and that was early on. That was, that was probably when they like had very little to work with as far as their their stage show. Also, one of the funniest things I've ever seen is there is an episode of the Jerry Springer show, which, you know, classy, classy, uh, mm-hmm. programming. Yeah. And they, they had El Duce from the mentors on and Guar, and they were talking about the negative influences of music on the youth, but Guar is like, not that they're necessarily positive, but it's so obviously tongue in cheek. Yeah. Of course. If you look at Guar and you're like, the kids shouldn't see this. Like this, this you are, you are a, a buffoon. And like, <laughs> and, and I do think there is stuff that does absolutely need to be kept from kids. Like I, I am in favor of censorship. Like as far as. The ra- I like the ratings system. Like, uh, yeah, this is for adults. This one's for kids. I'm okay with that. But yeah. Guar now, yeah, maybe you shouldn't take kids to see a Guar show. <laughs> but there is uh, some suggestive stuff. But the violence is so cartoony. Have you ever seen the Adams Family movie? Yeah. Do you remember when Wednesday and Pugsley they they put on their play? I, I 
and then they're like they're like killing each other they're like chopping each other's arms off and the blood is spraying everywhere and it's yeah it's, and it's supposed to you know shock the other parents but it's i think i'm pretty sure the movie is pg but yeah. it's it's so but it's so silly it's it's so it's so clearly a joke the context yeah 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 and and you like if you look at like modern mortal combat video games like that violence is way too extreme for children but yeah. people getting like Monty Python and the Holy Grail I I don't think that a, a kid would would see the Black Knight scene and either be traumatized or want to recreate that like yeah. I I understand that blood does take violence to the next level but when it's that much blood like we're we're at Looney Tunes category and that's what Guar is it's Looney yeah. Tunes the metal band yeah yeah it's yeah, and they, and they have a fought underlying theme, you know, their characters and stuff like that. And it's, I love their movies. Yeah, it's cool, you know. But uh, I, you know, it's uh, you know, you're talking, you're talking about that, you know, and back to the bands you brought up before, you know, the Panteras and and the heavier bands. There's the like a Pantera. I always and this was was when I was I'm not highly music, musically educated, but I was much less musically educated. I read a you know, I'm like, why is this band so popular? Why did they, why did they grab so many people? Right? Is it because they're heavy? Is it the Phil Anselmo? Is it his? Is it his? You know, the energy and power that he brought to the band. You know, it, yes, the answer was yes. But I'm like, there's something more. There's something more. And then it kind of hit me years later. I started playing other styles of music and stuff. They have like a Texas shuffle. They have a a backbeat groove to almost everything that they do. And I think it's, it's that, that, that very human element that they brought to their music, like the basics, uh, I think is what propelled them over the rest of the, of the heavy bands out there that were very, you know, just on the point on the beat, uh, heavy for the sake of being heavy. And I remember reading an article, uh, I think it was Dimebag that said this, you know, uh, every heavy band has got great songs, but every, he called them the money riffs. It's like, but everyone wants the money riff, like, you know, in disposable heroes, when they go right to that, that quarter note, shun, dun, shun, you know, he called them the money riffs. He said, we decided to write songs with all money riffs. And I'm like, that was pretty much it. I mean, all those thrash bands, uh, you know, Slayer and all those things and, and Anthrax, which is the king of those riffs, you know, they get those, you know, the beginning of Indians when they jump into the song and, and all those songs, those are the money riffs. And I think that, and that they have that, they had a very strong background in, uh, Texas shuffle, blues, Texas shuffle. And you know, if you listen to Pantera now, you will hear that swing that they had. And so then I started getting all goobery and this is me getting in the weeds. And um, a lot of the popular bands have that Van Halen, huge swing band, right? Black Sabbath, huge swing band. All those guys had that. Um, So I I think that's kind of what's missing a little bit. And it might have something to do with pro tools where you can put everything right on the grid. You know, it's, it's, it's people forget that music's an art, not a science you know, and that these, these, uh, you know, meter is not a rule. It's a guide. And I think we've gotten away from that. And I think it's so mechanical now because it's just easy to do and fix and stuff like that. That is taken away from what we were talking about earlier is hip hop's the, is the commercially popular 
uh, uh, music right now. Um, because I, I think because they harken back to those days, they're sampling old funk and 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 R and B, and and it, people gravitate to that. And I think honestly, that's what I've been kind of waiting for. I'm like, when's the next Michael Anthony, Alex Van Halen, or you know that type of rhythm section going to come out and really propel the next? Because there's a shit ton of great guitar players. Propel that next really good vocal guitar duo out there you know, to the next level. And, and I don't, I think it's, it's, it's lost on a lot of these new kids because they weren't in it when we were growing up. Right. And so whether they do, they, they're, they're attracted to it, like I said, but I don't think they understand why it was that good. And they're not putting it in their original songwriting They're Like I brought up before, uh, they're either a clone of Zeppelin or they're a clone of Allison Chains or they're a clone of Metallica, you know, or they're a clone of Guns N' Roses. Uh, uh, Avenged Sevenfold, I think, is the one that gets away with it the best because they're good. They're really good. I think but, I you know, that, good. that's like <laughs> jam Guns N' Roses and Metallica together, right? And you've got Avenged Sevenfold, which is not a bad thing, you know, but that kind of harkens back to what we were saying, you know, and, uh, I'm just waiting for I, I I'm like you. I'm I'm always looking for that next really good group. And there's some good songs. I, I'm not saying I don't hear good stuff, but I don't hear that band songwriter thing that's really, you know, attracting the masses, right? Mm-hmm. And get that giant fun. You're not gonna get the Iron Maidens. I mean, once these Metallica's and Iron Maiden and Judas, which I think is on the verge, and Aerosmith is done, and Kiss is playing their. Fun. Once the once those bands are gone, you know we're going to be stuck with tribute acts, and that that whole it's it's going to be gone. It's what do we got? You know, we have a bunch of shows that are going to look like the second stage at Ozfest, and that's going to be it. Yeah, it's like where's the the motivation for for guys to to pick up that guitar to do um you know to write those great songs? And you had mentioned that you are a football coach. I'm kind of curious how. Well, I have a couple kind of non music questions. Okay. <laughs> well, I'd like to actually address a ninety percent of what he just said. Okay. <laughs> um, do you want to know why you don't have the next Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony? Please tell me. Because they've covered it up with rap. Like where, 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 where is the next Pearl Jam? Like where, where are these bands that sound like even Nirvana, which was for many years, the biggest band in the world. But why, why do so many people come out, which I I don't, I, I know very few people that like it. And the people that I do know that do like it, they are people that they're not my friends. They're people that I don't ever want to associate with that I'm forced to. Mm-hmm. Very low IQ people like that. And, um, hard rock was buried. There is no next Michael Anthony, Alex Van Halen with the, the big, your Jim Jed head or your Ingy Malmsteen to, to carry them because they've covered that all up. It, it's been, it was destroyed, but like we had Rick Ernst on mm-hmm. who he produced 120 minutes for MTV. And he said he was there the day they said, turn the metal off. Like they yeah. didn't, they didn't say this stuff isn't popular anymore. Sorry, we can't sell it. They, there was an order given, turn it off. Money. I disagree. I, I, I disagree. I don't think it's money. I think don't it's think so? not at all because 
people are still making metal bands. And like, you keep seeing these Metallica shirts. We've talked about that on this show several mm-hmm. times. We always see Metallica shirts. We always see Maiden. We always yeah. see Motorhead in the wild. And, and, and DJ, DJ's seen a few Drake shirts. But in the wild. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you go to a rock club, of course you're going to see that stuff. Yeah. But like yeah. if you're at the Albertsons and, and you see, you know, long hair wearing a, a, an Exodus shirt, like that's like, whoa, oh my gosh, look, look at one of those. I can't believe yeah. it. But those still pop up and, and you don't see like, when was the last time you saw a mud honey shirt? And right. Mud Honey, Mud Honey too, huh? yeah, yeah, they were yeah. popular for a time, but these other bands, they have staying power. So clearly the popularity is there. So I, well, I this is why I say, I don't think it's money. I, I, I think it, it is, uh, more sinister. And I think it is about dumbing down the culture because when you had Van Halen and, and, uh, and Randy Rhodes, even Joe Satriani at the time, all the. Uh, Dave Smith and a, a, uh, uh, KK Downing, Glenn, yeah. Tinton, like all Michael Shermer, like all these Michael Shermer, sorry, Michael, Michael Denner, <laughs> Michael Shermer. Uh, I thought you were going to say Shanker. <laughs> yeah. That too. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Michael Shanker. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and so you had this, and this was widely available for young people to see. They were, they were in magazines. They were on TV. They, they, they were everywhere. So like mm-hmm. you see that and you're like, wow, these people are cool and look at the attention that they're getting. So this is something good where now it's the opposite. Now it's a bunch of people that are shirtless, 90 pounds, holding a gun saying like, yeah, I killed their people. Yeah. Yeah. I robbed that bank. Yeah. I shot that food. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and they're getting the same treatment, but people are wearing the metal shirts. They're wearing the rock and roll shirts. Like yeah. I still see. The Who shirts. I I see yeah. plenty of that. Like even the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I do Stones. not. Uh, yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of Rolling Stones oh, yeah. shirts. And uh, there was the band that all. Who were they? That, that always fought each other. Oasis. Like they oh, they, yeah. they very much sounded like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones kind of mashed together. I mean, they were kind of they had their own problems, which led to their downfall. Yeah. But, but that was, and, and going back to Pantera, I think Pantera was popular because uh, the reasons that you gave other bands didn't get that. Cause there were a lot of bands that followed in that pattern and they did do the groove stuff, but it wasn't a, like Pantera has like a good groove that you bob your head to Yeah, where those other band, the other, the new metal bands. It maybe it's cool for a while because it's new and it's everywhere, but bands aren't coming out sounding like Limp Biscuit. There's there's bands that aren't sounding like System of a Down. Bands don't sound like that, even though those were huge bands at the time. But yeah. it's not hard to find a band that sounds like a classic '80s metal band because sure. that's what's popular among people. Like that that hits you and it, it you feel yeah. it in your soul. Yeah. And it, it makes you want to pick up an instrument. It makes you want to replicate yeah. that. And they, they just, they turned it off. I called that Adidas rock when it was coming out and they were trying to out groove, you know, these other men, but back the only way I can put it is these guys were too white. They did. They, they were, they were, there was a mockery of the really good bands that could do it. And, 
and and the, and then the hard the metal bands that tried to out metal Pantera, it just became a joke, you know. Well, they were just corporate trash. That's all it was. It was just it was just a bunch of music companies trying to replicate the success of Pantera because they yeah. didn't know what worked. And w- what happened was they they needed to keep evolving it. And this is what I say: like, why? Like, why does it need to evolve? Like, why not just keep it going and just keep that flame lit? Like we could have, we could have had thrash being big in, in the, in the nineties, but, uh, do you know who the band sadistic intent is? I assume. I know the name. I've never heard them. Yeah. They're, they're like an LA band. They they Mm -hmm. never got as big as they really should have. And for a while they were basically possessed. Like, you know, they, Jeff Becerra was the singer for like when possessed got back, Jeff Becerra Mm -hmm. was, was singing and then sadistic intent was the band. Like they were the guitar bass drums and, um, I was talking to the guitar player from that band years ago, and he was talking about in the nineties, he saw Dio at the galaxy in Santa Ana. And he's like, this is, it's Dio. Yeah. Like, and, and, and he said the show was still really cool, but he's like, why am I seeing Dio here? I played with Dio at brick by brick in San Diego. And there was probably 150 people there. Yep. Yep. And he, what he did, he slayed it. Yeah, he could yeah. have been 10,000 people, which probably kept him going. I think that's when he had that resurgence with Doug Aldrich in the band, you know, years after that. But well, even my band, you know, because we're long in the tooth, everyone in the band, um, we're all the same age. We have people coming up to us going, you know, it's like they think we're like Dream Theater. And I'm like, well, you obviously don't know who Dream Theater is. <laughs> For, for dream theater but because we can play we do a lot of covers we have a we do a, a tribute thing because we we're kind of bored to headbangers ball called headbangers brawl right and we'll do miracle man by ozzy we don't don't tell me love me by uh night ranger we'll do we do some metallica we do uh uh several dio songs and stuff like that and and people come like Oh man, I haven't seen bands do that in forever because all the other cover bands do Man in a Box and you know these very popular songs, but we're like, no, we're gonna do, you know, we're gonna do Bloodstone. We're not gonna do Living After Midnight. You know what I'm saying? So we're, we we do that stuff and and it, and you're right. I mean, it's 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 proof positive exactly what you're saying. People are starving for that, right? But they're not seeing it. Yeah. And then if a band goes out and does it and they say, oh, we're gonna do this, then it's like. They are doing living after midnight or they're doing, you know, horrible versions of run to the hills and stuff. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was in a band and they wanted the two songs they picked to cover were paranoid and, yeah. for, and for whom the bell tolls. I said, guys, like if you want to stand out, do something that no one does do like, yeah. do like kill in the spirit world or like, Yes. Something, something that, that people all like that no one does. Cause how many bands have covered like Megadeth's covered paranoid. There's a billion bands have covered paranoid. And we, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not one of those people that like, you'll never do it better than the original. Well, you know, some people can do it better than the original. Mm-hmm. I think the Bruce Dickinson version of Sabbath, bloody Sabbath is better than the original. Uh, it doesn't and the happen. Anthrax version. Sure. It doesn't happen often. It can happen though. But, but you, you do the, you cover the songs cause you like them, but, yeah. but get more creative. Like there's, 
and and, uh, and the band I was with, like they weren't diehard Black Sabbath and Metallica fans. They just picked songs because well, people know them. Well, you yeah. think people don't know other Black Sabbath songs? Like, well, if you want to do that, I you know I jammed over the summer with a funk and R and B band, and we did Boogie Boogie Boogie. And we did Shaka Khan and we did all these songs and the dance floor was full with like 500 people from nine o'clock to one in the morning. So if that's your, what you want to do, then do that. Right. Sure. Because I have a real issue and it's my problem. It's a personal issue. When I see someone do hallowed be thy name shitty, I want to punch him right in the face. Right. Because it's personal to me. Right. It's personal to me. You don't go do something like that and do a bad job. Just don't do it. Like when I heard uh, Stone Sour do Children of the Grave, you've heard that, right? I, I know. I know who Stone Sour is, and I think they suck. That's fine. So I, so I go, listen go listen to, to Stone Sour's oh, no. version of Children of the Grave. Holy shit. Or is, is it good? Oh, my God. Okay. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, Slipknot. It's one of the someone with Corey Taylor in it, right? Right. And they just smash it. And then what I heard on um, well, the, the classic hole in the sky, Pantera. That's great too. Yeah. But then I heard um, Megadeth do uh, cold sweat. Then Lizzie song, man, that is really good. I haven't heard that. I do. I do like yeah, their cover of foreign policy though. <laughs> yeah. Foreign policy, yeah. No, I, I'm telling you the those two, um, it kind of, it made me feel it like the first time I heard it. I'm like, it was it was a very Slipknot or Stone Sour's version of Children of the Grave, but Corey Taylor sang it like he sang it. You know, he, he he didn't try and sound like Ozzy. It was very modern with you know the modern metal drums and guitars and the sounds and the bass. It was just phenomenal. And the way uh, 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 you know Megadeth did uh, Cold Sweat by Thin Lizzy. You could tell, like, oh, this was his influence, and he's like honoring it because he did such a good job. It's super good, super good. Hmm. Yeah, the, the Vader cover of "Angel of Death" is also pretty cool. Is that rad? Yeah, yeah. That, not and and "Angel of Death," Thin Lizzy, not not Slayer. Right, it, right. It's yeah, because because uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Peter. He has this really inhuman voice, <laughs> and that's just how he sings. Because I, right. I met him and like. Cause he's not doing the Chris Barnes. He's, he's just doing a, a little more extreme than he does. Yeah. And, and angel of death is already kind of a, a darker song. Yeah. And, and hearing that from thin Lizzie. So it's, it's, it's like, it's like a perfect cover. Yeah. The, the yeah best, I have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Cause Vader has a whole album of covers. As some bands do, and they have a cover. Their cover of black Sabbath is, is what people say the song black Sabbath is it's real good. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it. You're going to add uh, DJ was going to ask some questions on football. You'd laugh yeah, at this. So <laughs> I do the weight room, right? Nice. And the kids go, Oh, I want to play this. I want to play that, you know, and it's, it, it's just, it's horrible. Right. So I'll literally go in there and, and I'll have my, my iPhone ready. Right. And, and they'll, they'll, I'll go, Hey, what do you guys want to hear today? And they go some band, you know, and I'll go Pantera. And I, I did this for like two weeks straight. And every day they'd like names on a Pantera. <laughs> but what happened was, is they started getting into it, you know, and they started like, and it kind of became a thing. And I'll be honest with you. They, they worked out harder. They worked out harder than listening to this stuff. But I'm sorry, you had some questions on football. Uh, at- well, oh, that was kind of like 
better than, than my question was going to be. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, but I was going to say kind of like, you know, how do you kind of motivate these kids that are, I mean, it's, it seems like a different time to grow up nowadays. And and my, my second follow-up was, uh, I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not, but I thought it was interesting that Shohei Otani signed a $700 million 10-year contract with the, the, the Dodgers. So, <laughs> yeah. So the first answer kind of goes into what, what, what he was saying is, you know, these kids in today, it's so the, 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 I think the misconception is, is, Oh, kids these days are soft. And these kids these days are this and that. What I'm seeing is a result of bad parenting. Right. And the, the uh, demonization of masculinity, and this is getting like really, you know, weird, but (laughs) these boys are coming out because they're boys their testosterone's going and they want to be led by men to teach them to be quality people and men. Right. Mm-hmm. And they naturally from birth, because it's nature, they want to be masculine and tough and strong and understand that only good things come through hard work, all those things. It's alive and well, but there, I don't think, I don't think it's the majority, but there's a large percentage of our population that's trying to squash that down a little bit. The term ma- toxic masculinity, right? Sure. I mean, <laughs> it I, I, chicken shit guys came up with that, and 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 girls that I have some other issues or something. I'm not sure. Psychologists uh, that hate their are brand. intimidated they, by they it hate their dad. Actually, it's something, right? Yeah, dad was just drinking beers, fixing cars all day, and yelling at mom, so they don't like that. So, um. But it's it's alive and well, uh, and that's why you see the Metallica Motorhead shirts in in the weight room and stuff like that. It's still there. Boys want to be boys want to be men. They want to be taught. They they appreciate um, uh, unity, right? They appreciate the teamwork. They appreciate the bond, right? They, they and they pre- and what am I describing? The metal community, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it, and and so that's why you get these guys that come out of the service. They look for that, you know. And uh, and then to answer your second question, hey, the market bears it, right? So they're going to pay that guy, but not just me. But I know a lot of. I'm a very big. I love sports, you know. Me too. Um, well, used to. It, it's getting to the point where I think people are. It's it's. I won't say it's insulting. But it's hard to watch a guy play a sport and then it hits you. We're like, this guy's making $50 million for throwing a football this year. Like there's hunger in the world. There's homeless all over. What are the, so I think it's, it, I think, you know, I saw that last night, seven, $700 million. He's making $2 a second. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. He's, he, he's, 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 he's a specimen. He is the best. At what he well, I won't say he's probably yeah. So he's he's the best in the game at at right. certain aspects and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just where I'm at in life or something. Like but I I am kind of seeing it. It's like man, that's uh, it's almost it's insulting, you know. And and um, I think that will be the demise at some point of professional sports in this country is is going to be. It's just absurd, you know, because. I do, you know, back to the high school thing, we do get a lot of parents. They're like, Hey, is my kid division one? You know, like yeah. <laughs> if your kid was division one, 
you'd already know it because you'd be told because division one coaches would be coming down talking to him right now, you know, and, and, and there's this dream of, and it's different, you know, people used to dream to be a rock star. They wanted to be an artist, a musician. They, you know, it was the art. It was uh, people, you know, want to be a doctor. There's all these different things, but now it's, it's all about money and fame and, and things that aren't very tangible. And so I, you know, there's, there's that part of it, but $70 million a year to, to pitch and, and hit a baseball. Yeah. I, I I'm not going to pay a couple hundred dollars a ticket to go watch this guy do that. I'm just not going to do it. I can't, you know, I was a lifelong charger fan. I oh, mean, gosh, yeah, that's, that's tough. Season <laughs> tickets. And then that asshole went up to the worst, took him to the worst town. I mean, that's like taking the Yankees to Boston, right? You don't yeah. take the San Diego team and go to LA. And ever since then, I just, I emotionally detached. I threw out garbage bags of Charger gear. I didn't keep my official Dan Fouts and the Danley Thomason jerseys, though. I, <laughs> I couldn't let that go. But um, ever since then, I, I've kind of professional sports. I just kind of, no, well, no. Like, I'll, I don't even know who the Chargers picked in the first round draft. I used to live and die by that stuff, you know? Oh, me, me too. But yeah. right now it's like, oh, am I just getting older or am I just maybe perceiving the world kind of the way I probably should have all along? Like, why have I always like I, I chased my baseball dream a lot far uh, longer than I probably should have. I, I mean, Did you? <laughs> yeah. I he, a he was a professional. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All a uh, hundred dollars a week of it. Heck yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a, a dude? Those the people don't realize the, 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 the lifestyle that you had to live in the minor leagues. It's like. And then at the top, and it's kind of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So how do you, as like one of these, like Manny Machado, right? I'm a Padre fan still. But how do you, a guy that makes $30 million a year, go on a a rehab assignment in El Paso, Texas, where the guys are living, what, six, seven, eight guys to an apartment, you know? Mm -hmm. How do you walk in that locker room and like bond do, you, do they just keep to themselves that's always thought i would just walk in almost shame of my tens of millions of dollars in my pocket a security guard with you do they <laughs> no i don't think oh. so. <laughs> some probably do but yeah like yeah you know, like barry bonds like he wouldn't even want to talk to his like regular teammates let alone like some minor league guys well he's an <laughs> asshole yeah you know right there there was there, so in lake they're in lake elsinore just north of san diego they have a, a padres thing and I forget who it was. It wasn't Machado, but it was one of the current Padres went up there and he came in and he was there for two weeks and he made a point to buying everyone dinner every night. Hmm. He bought them all watches. He bought like a, bought a, a training equipment for like, like tried to like pay back a little bit. Cause he knew, you know, he, he's rolling big and these guys are barely check living. Check, yeah. 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 All right, so you want to get back to music, or yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff it all kind of ties together. It does, yeah. It could be because the the perversion of the music industry it's not too much different than the perversion of the sports industry. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a, a really funny movie from the '90s uh, called Basketball, which <laughs> stars the the guys from uh, DJ and my favorite show, and it it it's a really good. I, I it's not really a parody but it, it's kind of i mean it, it's it's a it's a good satirical look at how pathetic sports got but the only thing that it really got wrong was that it it made these claims that like sports got so outlandish 
that the audience went away, but the audience didn't because the, the audience briefly went away a few years ago when they really politicized sports, but they came back after a, a season, like the, you know, they, they were struggling to sell tickets for stadiums and then they all came back. Like people, people still buy into sports. They still like mm-hmm. sports, but I think the spectacle of it, it, it is kind of a disgrace because the people don't represent the, the towns that they're in. They're not from the towns that they're in. I think it would be way cooler if to play for the chargers, you had to be from San Diego and you don't move the, the chargers from San Diego to LA, let alone like that. That's like my favorite joke in that movie is the, the, uh, the, the Raiders moved from Los Angeles to Oakland or from Oakland to Los Angeles, then back to Oakland. No one in Los Angeles seemed to notice. Right. <laughs> they, or, yeah, they, they moved the jazz to Utah where they don't allow music. They moved the Lakers <laughs> to LA where they have no lakes. Yeah. It's right. Like they, they, like they move these teams around and they really, I don't, I, it, it's it just seems cooler. Like when you're rooting for everyone is from your hometown, and or, I mean, obviously, you can you can do like suburbs of San Diego or or San Diego County, yeah. But but it's you have people like no one is or, well, not no one, but very few of these these faces. Like uh, Shoei Tohani is, I, I you know I don't know if he's from Los Angeles. Uh, he's Japanese born. Yeah, he's, yeah he's Japanese. I know that. I was making a little okay. joke. Yeah, <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Because uh, none of these people rep- <laughs> they don't represent the the places that they're from. In fact, they're mm-hmm. importing people from other countries to do it. And it's you know, it's the national pastime and yeah. you know, they have it's it's now it's not even international. It's 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 not even national. It's it's just it's another business. It's it's um I don't mind professional sport teams, you know, drafting around the country because they represent a, a, a community. And that was the the thing with San Diego here is that, you know, all of us that just emotionally detached is like, we, the, the saying is loyal to the soil. It's like, it's decades of, of family and my wife and, you know, charger games and the motor home and, and it was community. And, and it was just a real kick in the balls that this giant NFL machine was like, well, we're going to get more up there, which they ended up not, you know, because they just didn't have a good feel on what the market was. But I think to kind of get into what you're saying, um, I think it's going to really negatively affect college sports, this portal stuff. Um, And I, you know, the football is one thing and probably the basketball will be fine. But man, these lacrosse and you know track and field and and girls volleyball. I mean, they yeah, never mentioned that they have to fly across the country. You know, uh, USC go into the East Coast and they don't play one game on Saturday. They're playing multiple games a week. You know, so I think we're going to see a real pullback on that. And then you you're going. I mean, they're already having the haves and the have-nots, not just on teams, because. Their schools have a ton of money and they're going to, they're going to get all the talent and it's going to be, there's going to be any parody, but you have the haves and have nots in the locker room. Right. And it's not some guy making an NFL minimum of 850 grand a year versus some guy making tens of millions. It's a guy that not eating or eating top ramen in his dorm because he's the left guard versus some guy playing quarterback or cornerback or defensive end who's getting at least 
six figures, maybe seven figures. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. And it kind of goes to what you're saying is, is capital, capital, the capital structure is, is phenomenal, but you, 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 how you have to regulate the greed, right? And then that, that's, that's the rub. No one knows how to do that. Well, they found a way to get around it so they don't have to regulate it. They, they, what they do is they just pay off the politicians to just not <laughs> regulate it. Yeah. That's, that's really what it is. Cause yeah, I think Green Bay Packers is the only publicly owned yeah, football right. team. So most that was my of- thought in San Diego, because that's my that's what I do for a living. Is I I'm a, I manage public companies, right? And I'm like, okay, they're 300 million short. You can't tell me that San Diego wouldn't float a bond or a private placement or something to bridge that 300 million dollar gap and build a stadium that's that is that is community owned, and then you have a community stake in the team. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, we're really getting off music, aren't we? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, we we are pretty much a culture show anyway, and then this is just okay. this is another yeah. aspect of it, and yeah. uh, and that and that's what I was saying because you're, you're saying it's a like community owned. Well, they they gave your community the finger, and then they went to L.A. Because oh and, yeah, and, and that and that's and that's how I I see the. I mean, I I'm really cynical about stuff like that. Cause I, I, and that's my, my problem with sports. Like you'd say, Oh, you don't admire these athletes. Yeah. But those athletes don't care about me because they've been, they've been catered to in a way like they don't have any appreciation for the, the places that they play for, let alone the country. They don't care. Like all they care about is their money. And mm-hmm. what 70% of NBA basketball players go bankrupt within the first five years of retirement. I don't, I don't know what it is for football. It's probably not the same. It's probably Football's like the worst usually. Well, okay. I, I would, I, yeah, I'd, I'd expect that most of their money goes away to like medical bills, <laughs> you know, family and hang, hang yeah. around, you know, and, but that's, you know, kind of bring it back to music a little bit. I mean, it's at least when you're an artist or a band, you know, they're giving something to the crowd, right? You're right. I do these, it's pretty obvious that I would say majority of these players and all professional sports, they're just going where the dollars are. There's a couple that have, you know, they understand they have more money than they need to live on and families for generations. And they'll, they'll have some sort of loyalty or bond to their community. There's a couple of players in San Diego that are like that. Uh, but at least, you know, musicians, there's, there's an interdependency, you know, they're, they're creating something that they're sharing that is meaningful and even spiritual and emotionally connecting them to people in all genres of music, you know? So there's, there's that, that's the difference I think between art, music and professional sports. Right. Um, and so I, and so that's why I think like the, the Otani contract, <laughs> like, I, you're mark, you're pricing. Well, it, they're pricing people out where families can't even go to baseball games or football games, but the concert promoters, and I don't think it's the artists. I think it's the industry between the the fan and the artist. They're pricing people out of, uh, out of the, the experience. Like yeah, uh, the, discuss this. The, 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 the festival up in, in, in Indio, the power, what was that power the power trip or something? Like pa- that? Power trip. That? Yeah. I, I could have went to that, but I'm like, I'm not paying. <laughs> $800 a day <laughs> yeah. to stand out in the desert with shitty, you know, bathrooms and food that's overpriced. 
no, you, you know, you, you for promoters that make some money, but man, there's there's shareholder value and there's stakeholder value, and they're completely forgetting about all the stakeholders that makes their business run, and they're sucking all the money, as much money as they can, away from the artist and out of the fan. That I pass on, I pass on concerts just on principle. I won't do it. I've seen Iron Maiden so many times, and Judas so many times. It, you know, I went and saw. But heaven and hell, like I think yeah. two weeks before Dio passed, right? And the thing with my wife was always like, God, how many times are you going to see these bands? I'm like, well, I don't know, you know? And then he passed. I'm like, because I don't know when the last time might be, yeah. right? And so, but I'm not paying $800 to go, to go see that, you know? It's, it's, it's so it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it, it's, I don't know. And this gets back into your overall cultural topic of, you know, when's it, when's it going to peak out? When's it going to top, you know, and, 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 and the fact that, you know, the, the market, it pulls their dollars from, from, from the population. And at some point there, they are, they are creating a product that their market cannot afford based upon, they want to keep increasing quarterly profits and every year make more and more and more. It's got to have to hit some point where it's just not happening. And, you know, unfortunately, bands like Pearl Jam and stuff, I mean, they had, they kind of saw it coming, I think, you know, this middle guy taking the majority of the funds on, on doing what? Because they, they have the means of the venues and et cetera, and, and contracts with management and stuff like that. And so it can only suck so much money out of, out of people, right? And then they walk away. And I think that Otani thing, I mean, so they're paying him $700 million a year. Okay, well, this is a team sport, right? And the Dodgers aren't really good in the postseason, right? So they're going to, obviously, that they're going to be increasing ticket prices and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to fail. And and he's not a tennis player or a golfer. So there's all these other things. So at some point, I think it's going to be a negative return on these investments on things like that, you know. Of, of course. Yeah. Well, well, and and we've we've talked about these like these modern mu- music acts where they're charging like five hundred dollars for for concert tickets, and like who who is going to pay for that? And when you said a lot of these these artists. They're, I, you don't think they're writing their own songs? Well, they're not. Very few of them are. Like we, we've talked about Lizzo several times. She had like twenty-two people produce her album, <laughs> yeah. And like each song has like ten producers on it. Like you don't yeah. like, like may, maybe you can you you can have like you know one or two like you know Danzig would would produce his first four albums with Rick Rubin. So they would Rick Rick Rubin would basically do nothing. He was not a producer. He would just put his name on it, but then Danzig would do everything. So things like that would happen. You would have someone kind of supervise and another person be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Or, uh, maybe turn up that a little like that. May, you don't need 22 people because at no. a certain, at a certain point, you're going to have people saying, no, 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 that's no good. No. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's good. No. Oh, well, I think so mm-hmm. the, these, these artists. And, and I, I, I use that term very loosely because, because they're, well, they're not artists. And they're not musicians. They're not. These no. modern rappers are not musicians. They're not artists. They're, they are court jesters. That's, <laughs> that's, 
that's all they are is that they are, they are court jesters and with real musicians, like the difference between them and, and athletes is the most of those musicians, they, they worked their butt off to get their success. Like Metallica, yeah. it, it took them four albums to get big. Like master of puppets was still good. You know, uh, ride the lightning, like again, like sold, sold pretty well. Kill them all even sold decently, yeah. but they didn't make it big until and justice for all. And they started 81, 82. I'm not sure when, when James and Lars actually got together and said, okay, we're doing this doesn't matter, but it took them almost a decade to, to get big where these athletes are, are coddled. Like LeBron James was driving a Hummer in high school. <laughs> yeah. Like they, like these, these, they don't know what it's like to sweat. Like, oh really? They worked their butt off for these, these games that they play. Yeah. I, okay. You give me a hundred million a year. I will run for 90 minutes straight back and forth on hardwood as fast as I can. I, right. I will find a way to make that be viable. But for the most part, like their job is to, to, to play a game with their friends. That's it. Like, imagine if your job was playing risk with your friends uh, two times a week. And you're getting 50 million a year to do that. That's not really a job where a lot of these musicians, they have actual fan appreciation because those people were there through the thick and thin. Like in a lot of these bands, they had lulls in their careers and then, you know, go high, go low. And then they come back and those fans stood by them where the athletes, they all, they all take it for granted because you know, it's not 1963 anymore. You know, it's not like here's our first Super Bowl. Like, wow, can you believe this spectacle? Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I, I I don't know if the first Super Bowl was 63. I know it was sometime in the 60s. I don't know. So don't, you know, put comments about how <laughs> stupid or wrong I am. I don't know that. But there was a time when the athletes were more homegrown and they, they weren't just superstars. They were like basically blue collar workers. And now they're, they're just, they're pampered babies. So you don't think they're the best at what they do in the world? No, they are. They are, but, but they, they didn't have, they, they had it kind of given to them. Like they, They, they're, the the talent is sought out and then it's kind of developed. It's not like, like there's no people that hear some kid playing guitar at an open mic and they get 10 agents on them and they get a manager like, okay, we're going to turn you into a rock and roll superstar. It's, it's not, it's just a different thing. So, so you're right. And I see it even at the youth, the high school level, that if you're good at sports, that you get specific attention, but let's, let's. So the, the, the thing is that we're seeing is that people want to see the best, right? So let's, 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 let's look at that and frame it in what has happened in the music. When did bands make their most money? 70s 80s that's when bands are making the most money right yeah probably that is when people appreciated and wanted to see the best players in the world so when you had a really good band you had you know or artist even musician richie blackmore Mm -hmm. uh eddie van halen all these guys people were like "Ooh, this guy's really good people got excited about how good that singer was Oh, John Bonham, Neil Peart, you know, you can go into other styles of music. Keith Moon. Keith Moon, right? And so people paid to see that. It was very similar to what 
people are paying to see the athletes today. And what's happened with music is no one appreciates the talent. And, 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 and it's too easy. And I, I remember like late nineties, it started coming and it was like blink One Eighty Two came out and it's like, Oh, Oh, we can do this in no three chords. We oh, can yeah, actually sell the shit. Nirvana. Right. Auto tune on and we can get away with it as long as we're quirky, quirky and cute. And so it, it took the focus from Lane Staley has a, an amazing voice to, Oh, isn't that fun and commercial and we can do all that stuff. So if you think of it back in the seventies, Music fans are doing what sports fans are doing today. They're wanting to see the best of the best. They're paying for it. And you can't blame these guys for wanting to suck the money out of it, right? Um, yeah, but the who tickets then, in the 70s yeah. were like $5. But it it's relative, like, right? Well, it's yeah, relative. But, but, it's not relative but yeah, but it's not relative to like sports prices now. I mean, granted, like a lot of bands are charging way too much, but the, well, the, that, the Who's Farewell Tour in, in like 19... 82, three, whatever. It was, 20, one? it was $25. Yeah, that one. But it was, yeah, it was $25 for their farewell tour. And it's not like the who was on a, a decline. Like they were right. still an extremely popular band. And, yeah. and you're talking about, well, they're making a lot of money, but yeah, they were only charging $25 versus now like, like a, a big sports game is going to be upwards of a thousand dollars. Or yeah, or more. And well, that's kind of I that's what I was saying before. It's 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 past that point to where it's it's you can even stomach it. And I agree with you. I'm not what I'm saying is is that it's not like any kid can play basketball and that it's like, no, these are the best. And so when was music when was music appreciated when you could go see the best with Steely Dan? I mean, could you imagine if Steely Dan came out today? I mean, we're talking top musicians in the world. Well, like let's oh, go no. a step further. Um uh, imagine if Iron Maiden came out today. Yeah. Like it, you, you're not going to get a better musical band for like everyone there than Iron Maiden, like peace of mind era. Yeah. Like that, like that, that is, that is as close as I think anyone will ever get to a best band of all time. Cause everything is subjective, but it's just combination of no, Iron Maiden is the best band of all time. It's just, it's, it's yeah, fact. It's yeah. I, <laughs> as, as far as there, if there could be a scientific measurement of a best band, I think Okay, there there is like a, a scientific measurement for like handsome and Tom yeah. Cruise in his prime was like that was the closest that they came to a handsome man. I think if you were able to do that for rock and roll, it would it would be Iron Maiden. And it, I think and, you're right. Yeah, and and yeah, and and it, I think it's because they just they turned the metal off. So there is no more the best because no one strives to be the next Van Halen, no one strives to be the next Steve Harris because they don't know it exists like when you when you talk about you're playing Pantera and then eventually they get into it. Well, they like what they like because it's available to them. You show them oh, Pantera. Yeah, yeah. You show them something else and they're like, Oh wait, there's something else. Oh, I actually like this. They just, they, they turned it off. If, if you show a, a 13 year old, you know, uh, revelations, they're, they're, they're going to like it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do, I, we're going to do revelations and die with your boots on. That's there you the go. Couple of songs that they had. Yeah. Heck yeah. Die, yeah. Die, die with your boots on. That was, that was my favorite maiden song for, yeah. for years. Yeah. You just, you just show them like there's, they have energy. There's yeah. the, the lyrics are, are fun. And the yeah. singing is really good. It just, the way the guitars harmonize, it just, it yeah. seems weird to just even talk about cause it doesn't need to be said anymore, but just still talking about it. I, Iron, Iron Maiden is 
as classic as you get. And it's people aren't exposed to it. And there, there are trends on TikTok where people will, they'll do something stupid. Like TikTok is ridiculous, but they'll, they'll show these people doing silly things and they'll put some old like seventies or eighties song in it. And then they go viral. And then the next thing you know, is that song on YouTube will have like 60 million plays in one day. Yeah. Like that, like the song, gimme, gimme, gimme by ABBA. Like they, it, it was in some TikTok video and went viral. And then just the next day, it was like the, the most played song on YouTube. It, it's just, hey, when you figure out, you let me know. I've been trying to get a viral seven train song for all. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just have a kid like, like jump out of a tree. And get a tie pod to a seven yeah, train song. <laughs> yeah. You just find, find a new stupid thing for a kid to do and have a seven train song. And then like, the video will go viral for being stupid. And then people are like, wow, that song was cool. That's how it, that's how it happens. And it just, people, people don't realize that it's popular because it's put in front of them. It's, it's not, nothing is grassroots anymore. It's, it's, it's not like years ago when people would be talented and they build up a following and it would grow. Now the following is created for them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we've, we've talked about several artists where their popularity is a complete mystery. And it's not like we're like, I don't get it. I'm old and out of touch. No, we'll just looking them up. There are huge holes in their biography. Like how did this person get popular now? Now they're worth $9 billion. And are they though? Are they? I got exactly. a buddy of mine who does hard money loans in real estate and I can't remember the guy's name, but he's one of the top rap artists. He had this video where he had a tiger in his car. He's going all over LA, you know. Is that Tiger? <laughs> uh, actually, yes, yeah. Like a bangled. Anyways. Um, and he tried to get a loan through my buddy and couldn't qualify. He had no money. No, income. no I believe that. Like, yeah, I bu- I, yeah. I believe that. Absolutely. Yeah. The perception, he's huge. Right? No, it's yeah. like the Backstreet Boys. You had the fat guy behind the scenes, like controlling everything. Stole all right? their money. Yeah. Well, oh, of course. And, and that, and like when we've, we talked about Rihanna and, and she's like a quote unquote self-made woman. And, yeah. She's like worth like $8 billion. Yeah. There's no way she controls that money. And yeah. especially with her backstory, it is so bizarre. And I, I encourage everyone to listen to our episode uh, about her. It's, it's, it's so weird. And yes, yeah, the guy couldn't qualify for a loan because none of these people have any of their own money. They spend it faster. They can get it. The M- MC hammer was not an anomaly. No, it, it happens all the time. Like all, all these people, like I remember I, I was watching, it might've been TMZ back in like the early two thousands and old, old dirty bastard. Yeah. Was it like he was someone caught him in line at the welfare office. Like he was collecting food. Stores. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> In New York city. Yeah. Like the, like, yeah, they, they don't keep their money. They like someone just tells them like, here, here, you're, you're going to be our prop and you're going to be a star. And then they're like, sounds good. Well, we'll go with that. And they don't ask questions. They sign on the dotted line. They, and they do, they do sell their soul. It's, it's not like the movie crossroads or, um, uh, shock them dead, but it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a metaphorical selling of the soul. Well, could you could you imagine 
a label coming to a band like Seven Train going, okay, we want to do this. I'll say, okay, send over the terms. I'm like, okay, how much are you putting into this? And I start looking at details. They're going to go, fuck. Yeah. We got some kids that are willing to live in a van, you know. <laughs> well, that, and, and I think that's why they go with these rappers because there's low upkeep and they're, yeah. they're not pulling them out of Yale. They're like, they're pulling like literal like, gang members and criminals off the street. So they they make the music, you know what? A lot of it might even be AI generated. Like they just AI make, make a beat (laughs) and then they just have a beat in three minutes. Like that sexy red song was two minutes and nine seconds. So they probably just have a beat that's made. And then they they just have one of the, the 30 producers write the lyrics. And then they just have these people here, stand here with all these stacks of money. And then it just ripples off into, into the, the ether and kids see it and they go, Oh, that could be me instead of seeing Van Halen surrounded by women. Like, Oh dang. Oh yeah. Did you, uh, did you, when that was it this year, that song came out, the AI song, the likeness of Drake. And it, dude, I am not, I don't, I couldn't, but when they were comparing the two, I'm like, Oh shit, this is real. Like these labels could go, Oh, the likeness of pink or Bon Jovi, or Bruce Springsteen. I like That's where we're at right now. So oh, if you got all this money, and you could market whatever you want to do, you could do the likeness of whatever. I mean, car companies do it. I mean, it's like a new Mercedes comes out, then Nissan has one four years later that looks very similar, right? So it's it's that's where we're up, and the, the whole writer strike and all that was one thing, but I was like listening to this, I'm like, wow, these labels, I could see in the future, they're like, yeah, why, why, why bother with that guy? We want a country song at the likeness of uh, Stevie Nicks' voice with Chris Stapleton. So you know, Pink. Oh, there it is. Fix it up a little bit. Put it out. You can get more creative. You can say, mm-hmm. "I want a country song in the likeness of Pantera." <laughs> like you can, oh, you that, can get Hate Williams. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's a Nirvana AI song. That came out recently. It sounds like Nirvana. Yeah. We like DJ and I listened to it. It's, it's, it sounds like Kurt Cobain is still alive and well and writing his simple dour songs. Yeah. You, you can, you can do that with anything. And, and a lot of these, these modern artists, quote unquote, court jesters in anyone can do it. You, it takes no effort at all. Like before pop used to be fun. It used to be made by people like a good example. My uh, my favorite band is Depeche Mode. Not actually my favorite band, but I just bring that up. Depeche Mode is undeniably a pop band, but they write good songs. They write good songs there. You know, some of them are, are sillier, more upbeat than others, you know, just can't get enough versus, you know, uh, blasphemous rumors. You get two sides of the extreme got your sad ballad and you got your happy dance song with modern artists are not even that creative. Yeah. You, and, and all it is is, and going back to the sampling, do you remember two live cruise controversy in the eighties oh, yeah. with, uh, yeah. they, the Van Halen song. Yep. So they didn't even know that they weren't allowed to quote unquote sample. So they were rapping over, the opening riff from ain't talking about love. They didn't know they couldn't do that. 
they they just like someone just said, yeah, here, just wrap over this because like again, yeah. talking heads, they they don't know what they're doing. Just collect the money, get the fame, whatever. They yeah, got they sued. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And then they got sued for doing it. And then, and I believe them that they're like, I, I didn't know that you can do it. Cause no one was really doing that. Like yeah. it's, it's not like today where, where you have people talking about the people they murdered over that Vanessa Carlton song. What? Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a song that we've talked about here. It's, um, I can't, me- I can't remember the song's name, but it's, it's Wapa with the Choppa. You know, the song, the da, 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 da. And I, I want you. Well, you. well, obviously, if you've ever been in a mall in 2001, <laughs> you've heard the song 14 times a day. I've never been to Hot Topic. I'm sorry. D- yeah, but uh, you've never been to Miss Fields. You've never well, been cookie. to the well, Gap. Yeah, exactly. It's in the mall. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all, well, there are all these cheesy pop songs. Now you have these, these people rapping about the actual murders that they committed over this cheesy pop song. Oh, right. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, and they, well, you can do two things. You can either AI make a song or you can just take someone else's song because I bet Vanessa Carlton, like she, I'm sure she wrote that song. She seems reasonable, but she probably does not own the rights to it. Whatever Atlantic or Capitol probably has all rights to it. And she doesn't, she maybe gets like, half a percent uh, of sales, maybe one, something really low. So they just give it to these, you know, these, these monsters that are talking about <laughs> the people they killed. It's just like, why not? Like, this is the new thing. And you don't, yeah. 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 And you, you don't need to have someone like, yo, I rap like the beastie boys. Like we, we play our own instruments. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to. Well, back then, that was a cultural thing. It was, it was like I was telling you earlier. Like my daughter went back and started listening to the, you know, Public Enemy and all that stuff like that. There was something like genuine about it. And what you're getting at, everything is just superficial and and it just shallow. And 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 I think they're always. Why is the music business dying? <laughs> because you're putting out shit. You know, and, Laurel Canyon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all right hey brother i've got a i gotta run this has been awesome well tell us uh and tell the audience where to find you all all the things like my address and my phone number yeah. exactly oh, we don't care about we don't care about your band we want we want to go to your <laughs> house and hang out let me talk more shit about black metal and give you my address and phone number <laughs> that's a that's a that, that's not a bad idea <laughs> No, you, uh, we have, uh, obviously we're on Facebook and Instagram. It's seven train band spelled out seven train. If you can't spell it, then I don't care. One and or then, two words. Yeah. No, it's a compound word. Oh. Remember compound words? I do. I do. Um, and then you can, we're, uh, yeah. So we're on Facebook and Instagram, seven train dot seven train band. And then we have our webpage where you can buy download, you know, we got shirts, uh, and you know, all that stuff like that, that is seven train.net. And, uh, we'll be playing out here in the Southern California area over, uh, in the spring, we've already got several shows booked. So that'll be up there as well. Um, you know, and we do our headbangers brawl stuff, which is, which is fun. We also do about 30, 40% of our original stuff. And it's kind of funny 
you see people get into, you know, we'll play an accept song or something like that. And then we'll jump into one of our songs and then they love it, you know, because they don't know it's, it's quite, it's an original yet. And then we tell them and the response. Actually, we've got more shirt sales, CD, uh, song downloads and CD sales commingling covers with our originals. Cause if they think you can connect the dots being a cover guy, you know, and you can play, you know, whatever, you know, we do stand up and shout by Dio. Then all of a sudden they think you're as good as Dio. So, you know, so it gives a lot of uh, uh, credibility to our original stuff. So that's good. So yeah. So that's where you can find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you know, our songs, you can, you know, please stream away on all your, you know, Spotify's and Apple music and stuff like that. We're out there as well. All right, thanks, man. And I'm sure DJ had a blast because he finally got to talk sports. Fine. Yeah, and, you know, he talks news. too much. I mean, <laughs> you guys got to like split the questions up a little bit better. I told you he was nervous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'd love to come back again if you want to. We can we can talk world politics next time. Oh, okay, hey, that'll be we'll, a good. We'll idea. do to that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate right. it, guys. Well, Eric, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for hopping yeah. on. All right. See ya. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Take care.